0: and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. Hey, Quincy. How's it going? How's your
1: week going? It's going good. Um, I got the newest issue of Atomic Elbow, the pro wrestling zine Ooh, sent yeah. to me. And that zine fucking rules. Oh, man. Tell me about it. Like,
0: what's... So, I've, I've never actually... I've heard of the Atomic Elbow a million times.
1: Oh, well, the best thing that they're doing right now... Is they're literally uh, doing a running feature where they're talking about every pro wrestling related piece of music
0: ever? Oh shit!
1: And it's intro- it's introduced me to my new favorite black metal band, Heel, uh, aka Heel BC, <laughs> which are a blackened crust punk band. That do songs about New Japan Pro Wrestling.
0: See, I love the term "blackened crust band" because it just makes me really hungry for fish,
1: like blackened, <laughs> just blackened fish. Like it's a, cr- it's crusty and black. Um, yeah, but it's like speed. It's it's like speed medley hardcore punk with like black metal vocals. Mm-hmm. So like the riffs of like a suicidal tendencies, but the blast beats and vocals of like. Bathory.
0: Right, where it's just kind of like this gurgling screech.
1: Yeah, but the lyrics are about Okada's Rainmaker.
0: <laughs> I mean, honestly, the, Okada deserves to be immortalized in the song anyway, so it's good of them to, to do yeah. what needs to be done.
1: Yeah, and, and like, the, there's also a feature where uh, someone is watching all of Florida Championship Wrestling from 1985, like, every episode. Oh, wow. And he's writing, like, a long long form episode by episode description and like there's comics in it it's super good y'all should go to um, atomic elbows uh, big cartel and pick that up holy shit
0: i i was not aware that fcw was a thing before it was basically the proto nxt
1: oh it's been around since the 80s and it's like all like rick rude and percy pringle and um dutch mantel and his whips and vests oh
0: dirty dutch mantel although also i gotta point out percy pringle is the single finest heel name ever like it sounds like an evil fop or you know percy pringle sounds like um i think actually my favorite uh old school uh wrestling manager was the genius because motherfucker reads his poetry loudly and wears a gown and mortar like, he, this is, I love that this is Vince McMahon's idea of like, what do I imagine a poet looks like? And you're just constantly wearing a graduation gown at all times.
1: Yeah, it's totally legit. Yeah, that's... I wear my, um, I wear my, my master's robe <laughs> as a, as a robe around my house. As, as you
0: should, it's like a smoking jacket. Um, the uh, the the thing that I've been doing this week, uh, I've been rereading uh, this book. It's um, so. I, have you heard of the Dreaming Jewels by Theodore Sturgeon?
1: Heck yeah, I've heard of Stee- Theodore Sturgeon. Oh um, yeah,
0: yeah. Like the Dreaming Jewels, uh, it is fucking incredible. Like I read it um, ab- about a, uh, for the first time like two years ago, and so I'm rereading it now. And I love that uh, one of the blurbs for it is Ray Bradbury going like, "He's so good, he makes me angry." <laughs> Like, <laughs> Theodore Sturgeon is such a good writer that I, I get physically furious when I read his writing because he makes it look so fucking easy. Um, and honestly, like, this book, I, I mean, this was published in the fucking 50s, and it has such an incredible grasp of, like, found family and tenderness and horror, and um, I, I i think my calling in life would be to go door-to-door and make people read The Dreaming Jewels by Theodore Sturgeon. Um, Seems the legit.
1: Yeah. I think... I think you should
0: do that. I think so. It's a uh, it's about carnies, you know, like proper, like old school traveling around carnies. Um, which, by the way, one of my favorite tag teams is literally called the Carnies. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're they're fucking incredible. And I feel like, all right, the Carnies are great because do you ever realize when you talk to non wrestling fans about wrestling, you could be making this shit up and they would have no yeah, idea. It's
1: very like okay, there's a guy whose gimmick is he's got abs, and he says, look at my abs before I wrestle.
0: Yeah, and he just counts them. He counts his abs, and that's his, his thing. Um, although, honestly, I think um, my mom, uh, I made her watch wrestling when I was there uh, last November, and uh, she couldn't get into anybody except for Drew Gulak when he was doing the PowerPoint presentation gimmick. Um, that was That was the main thing.
1: Can we talk about um, D-Jack and his current gimmick of yelling one-liners before doing wrestling moves? <laughs> like he's in fucking Street Fighter or something?
0: <laughs> I feel like it's him and Kenny Omega. Say goodnight! <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's him and Kenny Omega yelling stuff. There, like, Yeah, where he's, like, before he does that, like, rolling uh, Samoan drop, where he's like, There is no escape! And then just, yeah. I Honestly, everybody needs to get on d level and just shouts shout things, like it's Final Fight or something?
1: I mean, in Japanese wrestling, white guys have been doing that for years because they're just like, no one in this audience knows what I'm saying. So like, the Young Bucks have really cornered the market in buck wild shit said directly to camera. But I think this is like a next level... Djack is the renaissance of saying buck shit while you're wrestling.
0: <laughs> yeah, although, either that or if you're, Tangle, uh, like, Tangaloa, and you can just, like, yell obscenities at the top of your lungs, and it's fine,
1: nobody gives a shit. Um... Yeah, and Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson's got a real potty mouth. <laughs> he's so real work on
0: that. He is real salty. It's it's, it's for it's, a
1: guy whose t-shirts are teddy bears. <laughs> he really needs to clean his act <laughs>
0: like up. He's like he's a complicated man. You know, he's got it's teddy bears and doing the you know like like doing the the, the fancy Shawn Michaels but Technicolor thing and also screaming fuck, and yeah, that's and, and white boy dreads. Also very important. Wait, um, all right. So I don't understand the enduring popularity of Juice Robinson in New Japan.
1: It's uh, the dreadlocks.
0: That's what it is. Okay, so if he just.
1: It's his, his Samson like power. <laughs> you
0: cut off the, the Rob Zombie dreads and nobody. Yeah, he would slide down the car yeah. until he's working, like, opening matches with Manabu Nakanishi.
1: Yeah, and the, the, the young lions. <laughs> the, the, the guys that. Pick up the streamers and occasionally. Yeah. If I pick up the streamers real good, they'll let me wrestle tomorrow night. <laughs>
0: if I pick up the streamers real good, maybe Minoru Suzuki will actually eat me like a pez dispenser. He'll just crack my head open and eat <laughs> He'll my. he crack
1: inside. my neck open and suck out my <laughs> vittles like
0: pez. Suck oh out the vittles. Um, all right, so, so, uh, uh, all right, movies, right? So. <laughs>
1: Speaking of Japan.
0: Speaking of Japan, uh, the first movie. Uh, that we're going to be diving into, um, was, um, Quincy, do you want to, uh, intro this, uh, as part of the new wave of Japanese
1: cinema? The New York Asian Film Festival is going on until, uh, July 15th, and holy shit, this is a stacked year for good movies from Asia. Yeah, it's, uh,
0: holy shit. Like, a bunch of the ones that we were, um, watching for this episode, it's real good. Like, I am
1: furious yeah, that i not Yeah, and this is, this. like, the tip- We didn't have time to watch all and talk about all of them. And, like, we'll try to get more as long as we can. But, um, the Scythian Lamb is premiering at the festival and it's fucking great. And, Mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of. Movies that don't even fit really our wheelhouse. Like, I, I couldn't argue that, you know, we get pretty fast and loose with horror, but there's just, mm-hmm. like, other, like, legit drama and good movies out. Right. And, um, Liverleaf is, like, way better than a lot of Japanese movies I'm used to watching. Holy fuck. Okay, so Liverleaf. Um, so, uh, to
0: intro this, like, uh, so the new wave of Japanese cinema, um, I am a babe in the woods when it comes to a lot of Japanese horror because I've like I've watched a lot of extreme Japanese horror but I I feel like um my main wheelhouse is like Jallo films and uh, early 80s slashers and so Liverleaf is incredible because um so I was researching it and it turns out um Japanese school children in horror films huge dicks um yeah they suck <laughs> they suck so bad there's like a whole genre of just like aren't kids the shit worst and the teachers are either cruel or indifferent to what's happening to a kid and it's so there's like a long history of sort of bullying narratives about some poor downtrodden kid who's getting the shit bullied out of them by their classmates and liverleaf um is that but it's all right so this movie is fucking book wild
1: we don't need to spoil this because this is the north american premiere and it's not going to go away like it's so good it it will I really hope it'll make its, like, circuit round on festivals and, um, screens, but you should catch this. If you're in the NYC area, catch it. If you're, um, lucky enough to be in another major city, catch it. It's really good. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and so, like, without spoiling anything, like, to to, to give, like, the, um, to give, like, the synopsis of the film that would be on, like, the back of a DVD. Uh, The film follows a young girl named Haruka who is not yet in high school and she's a transfer student and she is, you know, as I said, getting the flying shit bullied out of her by her classmates, including one specific classmate who's kind of the ringleader for it. Um, The one thing that I'm going to say here, the the bullies like escalate their bullying to the point that they literally burn Haruka's house down.
1: Yeah, and murder her parents. Like, I think that's not a spoiler to say the bullies kill her family, yeah. and then they push her one step closer to the edge, and she gets revenge. Like,
0: I, the first time, like, like as I was watching this, I was like, are, are, you, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you, you watch her parents die. And so uh, she goes on this, like, lady snowblood um, revenge motif. And so let's talk about the effects in this movie. Big fucking... Uh, round of applause for the foley artists on this film. Um, it sounds brutal, like the like all. So it's pretty extreme, like sort of blood and gore in this film. Um, but also, I, I feel like the stakes are necessarily higher because it's kids. Like it's 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 a kid doing this thing to other kids, and it's yeah, yeah. so fucking hard to watch. But also, the <laughs> um, there's this one scene where she's. Uh, uh, hacking away at this one kid and he's like like his guts are hanging out and he's like time out and tries holding his hand up and she like slices at his hand and he's like I said time out and it's like I mean you tried it you yeah, know, you But it, it's
1: also like motherfucker, you killed my family.
0: <laughs> you do you you like turned my parents into pork rinds. You don't get to be like, "Whoa, whoa." All right, like let's let's uh, put a pin in this. Let's take a step so back. So,
1: have you seen uh the screenwriter Miyako Tadano's other movie that she wrote The World of Kanako? I have not seen The World of Kanako. So, so basically, I think what we mean by new wave of Japanese cinema is it's not the buckwild shock cinema that we're so used to, like Takashi Miike, like let's just be as wild as we possibly can on mm-hmm. on celluloid. It's like quiet. It's it's very reserved, and it, it still gets extreme, but in in like, it, not as like we're not gonna just do CGI, you know, wild stuff. It's mm-hmm. just like real world physics and and stuff like that
0: and well and i feel like both of those are completely valid where it's like extreme japanese cinema where it is just balls out shit the bed crazy nonstop all the time and like that's fine if that's the thing that you're wanting to watch and then also um liver is incredible because of how reserved it is because it sort of highlights how crazy the violence is when the rest of it is like tense domestic drama and you know meditations on bullying and just sort and of... like
1: the town is, it's like decaying. Like there's mm-hmm. the one of the opening scenes is just they throw Haruka in a trash pile in the woods, like a place where people are dumping garbage. Mm-hmm. And like there's all these scenes where no, you know, there there are no adults because like no one lives in this town but these shit kids and like <laughs> the three teachers and the parents that ultimately die.
0: Yeah. Well, and what's also incredible is like, so, um, the school that this is, that the, um, that bully palooza is happening at is, uh, slated in the film to, uh, shut down and close at the end of this year after everybody graduates. And the main teacher, which, by the way, the teacher has, like, a thing with, like, throwing up. Like, a thing happens and then the teacher just, like, uncontrollably vomits. And then there's one, there's one bit where she runs out of the classroom vomiting and they're yelling, vomit teacher, vomit teacher. Um, it's um, honestly kind of a great meditation on, like, sort of the cycle of abuse because the teacher reveals that, like, they came back to teach junior high because they were bullied horribly in junior high and they wanted to sort of vicariously graduate again but have it be okay this time and the other teachers are you know sort of either indifferent or cruel and this movie i feel like um it's so much i don't know it's so much more than just a sort of shock like this kid is killing other kids thing because we've all seen battle Royale. like i i feel like this is um it's a movie about bullying that happens to be a horror movie
1: Think back, Ryan, to your middle school experience and tell me you wouldn't murder someone and they didn't, you know, tell me your middle school bully and, like, would you, if if you were put in Haruka's position, mm-hmm. would you do that? And they didn't burn your parents alive.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I got, well, and, and it's funny because, like, a, a movie about bullying, I was bullied really, really badly uh, up until about the time I moved to Tennessee when I was a junior in high school and honestly like I I feel like movies like this where it's also sort of like revenge is kind of a zero-sum game in some ways where with Haruka I feel like you get that sort of instant pop of like yeah get the fucking bullies and then it's like oh her parents are still dead and she's empty (laughs) like it it hollows Haruka out as the movie goes on
1: yeah and Miyako Tadana's um, The World of Kanako is another movie that's Teenagers are the shit worst <laughs> because yeah. it's about the like archetypal tough uh, loose cannon Japanese cop, like the very Sunny Chiba style 70s Japanese cop thriller, mm-hmm. except he's an abusive asshole and he is trying to rescue his daughter, and then it comes to find out his daughter has been doing like evil, awful things this whole time. Oh, shit. So I mean... it's, it's more of that... It, it's all of this subverting these Japanese tropes, uh, and, like, instead of going buckwild crazy, it's still shocking, but in this, like, quiet sort of way. Well,
0: and, yeah, absolutely, and I, I think it's also, um, it's sort of like deconstructionist westerns to me, where yeah. sort of, yeah, like, Japanese, like, from what I've seen of the new wave of Japanese cinema, a lot of a lot of it seems to be based around sort of deconstructing and re-examining all of these tropes that have been such a fucking mainstay in, like, extreme Japanese horror. Uh, So that, you know, you get a movie like Liverleaf, where, you know, the violence... Obviously, like, there are bits where the violence is totally played for laughs. And then it gets really serious, and then you're really sad right after you've just laughed at this horrible thing that happened. And... Honestly, I'm really fucking into it, and watching Liverleaf made me want to dive in more to like the Japanese horror that's been coming out in like the last couple of
1: years. Yeah, for sure, um, and fortunately, a lot of it is at this film fest, so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it'll it'll be around, and I hope that it gets uh, an audience here, and you know, it won't. It, there's there's a point where if I'm somewhere and some guy walks up and says, hey, uh, have you ever seen Visitor Q? I'm like, don't talk to me. I don't <laughs> want to be your friend. But, right. like, if someone said at a con, like, I got a DVD copy of uh, Liverleaf uh, import, I'll be like, yeah, let's, let's be friends, and, and I would like to buy that from you. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen the anime Kill la Kill?
0: No, I've never seen Kill la Kill.
1: It is untenable because the fan service is so inappropriate. And, like, all the jokes are, like, schoolgirl in revealing magical girl uniform. Mm -hmm. But it's literally a high school student who wants to um, get revenge on the school president. And the school president's clique all has super suits. So -hmm. they're all super powered. And, like... It's a fighting anime, like Dragon Ball Z, but the tennis team captain has, like, a giant spiked tennis racket. Or, like, the the character has to fight the band kids, and they all have, like, deadly band instruments. Like, the trombone is swords, and, like, uh... the trumpet and saxophone, like, shoot fire and shit. Fuck yes. Also, the way that she activates her school uniform mm-hmm. outfit is by... Uh, it, it feeds on blood, so she cuts herself uh, on her wrists every time she transforms. Oh, Jesus. So it's Jesus. such a, like... Yeah, it, it's it's to the point where the more you talk about it, it's, like, it's really indefensible. But the idea of high school is like a battle, and, I mean, I'm, I'm so down for high school is a battle. High school oh, yeah. is monsters. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the best. Mm-hmm. And, like just the idea of high school is awful and fighting the popular kids is like fighting a, you know, super villain. And also the way that I do it is by self harm, but also Eesh. transforming into this like hyper-sexualized superhero. It's, it's interesting if not just cringy as well.
0: Well, sure. I mean, yeah. And, and of course it can be both things. I, well, and also with like Japanese horror, um, My understanding of sort of the school system in Japan, it makes so much sense to me that like, you know, so um, you know that thing of how every country has different horror and like different cultural anxieties it's responding to and goes back to. And um, a a thing that keeps popping up for me with a lot of Japanese horror that I've seen is that um, everything hangs in the balance in school. Like if you fuck up in school and you you don't do well, that's kind of it for you in a lot of ways in these movies. Like the the way that it's played is just like you Yeah, it like it, it heightens already the stakes of being in school that this is the rest of your future on the line and this is your development as a person. This is how you relate to your peers. This is how you figure out what you're gonna do with your life. Like, it Japanese horror takes all of that and just hyper compresses it into this fucking horror show that sort of, you know, the way that people relate to their classmates in these things, the way that, you know, teachers uh, sort of moderate and encourage the abuse because, you know, like, a lot of the teachers in these movies are, like, complicit in the abuse that happens. Um, I'm really into it. I... I, I and, and it's a kind of horror that I think is r- almost, kind of recognizable to me as an American because school sucks, but it, it feels like such a different version of the pressure that you experience as an American in school that... I don't know, yeah, I feel... It, yeah, it's, it's it's
1: very uniquely Japanese and, like, is really part of a, a cultural moment, mm-hmm. but it also has that, like, seeds of identifiability to it.
0: Yeah, and especially with, like, the suicide rates in Japan, like, it's, it's, it's... I don't know, in a lot of these movies, it's like these kids kind of don't have anybody they can talk to, really. Yeah. About what's going on, and so if you're getting tormented by a classmate... You know, you could tell an adult but they'll either ignore it or blame you for getting bullied.
1: So where do you want to put it on the list?
0: Well, shit. So, uh, I, let's, uh, uh, all right. So let's start with... hmm. Okay,
1: so it's, it's a response. It's almost like it's gone subtle as a reaction to Takashi Miike Mm -hmm. and, and the, like, shock cinema. Mm -hmm. And Audition is number 58.
0: Man, okay. So if we're, if we're comparing uh, extreme Japanese horror to new wave of Japanese horror that is examining and de- uh, deconstructing that, I feel like it is not quite as... It's not as good as Audition.
1: Yeah, and, and right below Audition is Female Prisoner Scorpion, which is like first wave... Uh, censorship has just been lifted post-war so we can do really wild shit. So mm-hmm. that's, like, the roots. I don't think it's as good or as fun. Is it weird to say fun is better than meaningful in that sense, that, like, Female Prisoner Scorpion is a more enjoyable series?
0: Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, I, I feel like... Um, okay, so Liverleaf, I also don't think it's... Um, as good as trench 11
1: yeah now other teen girl horror uh, tragedy girls is number 71 i don't mm-hmm. think it's better than tragedy girls
0: i also don't think it's better than tragedy girls i i feel like um they're both so, and which and of course they're both such different narratives about being in school and sort of being at a vulnerable age and sort of um relating to your peers and finding your place in that uh, I feel like Tragedy Girl sort of m- does more with that. And not to say that Liverleaf doesn't do interesting things with the idea of relating to your peers and killing them. Um, re- man, actually, I just realized, those are both films about murderous teenage girls. Yeah, they are. They are... Good shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's outstanding.
1: Actually, I'm looking down and... I am scrolling down, and number 86 is Don't Torture a Duckling. And Mm. weirdly, this movie and that movie remind me of each other. And right below that is the Shut Up and Dance episode of Black Mirror, which is other shitty teenager.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Don't Torture a Duckling is like, look at at these shitty kids. Um, Yeah. I would say, all right, all right, gun to my head. Uh, If I would put Liverleaf anywhere, it would be above slightly above don't torture a duckling and right under haunters the art of the
1: scare yeah so that would make live relief the new number 86
0: i feel pretty good about that i think that's one of the highest places we've put a screener isn't it
1: um yeah it's pretty high uh i mean tragedy girls was a screener
0: oh that was a screener yeah that's true. uh,
1: yeah, it's very good. Yeah, nothing to sneeze
0: at. Yeah, guys, if you... So, uh, if you, you... Like, apparently, uh, what? Liverleaf is probably going to get international distribution after the film festival?
1: I mean, it, this is the North American debut, so I don't think it's just going to go away. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's right. debuted, and then hopefully it'll get a release. Um, the studio... You'll have to pause the... You'll have to take this pause out, mm-hmm. but trying to think of who the the u.s distribution is for it um mm. i mean it got an anglicized title because they're gonna i mean that by itself mm-hmm. um it's nikatsu so nikatsu is like a pretty big production company in japan and um laspas film company i think is distributing it too um, oh, right on. but yeah nikatsu gonna take care of it
0: yeah, and so, yeah, definitely if you're into... And, and also, if you're into um, sort of kids behaving badly in horror, which I would say most of, like, late 70s, early 80s American horror is very into teenagers being shitty to each other. Um, this is just... It's fucking outstanding, and I think it's my favorite example of um, a Japanese horror movie doing, like, school children are fucking evil. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, new number 86. I feel good about Brian. that. Uh, what...
1: Thai horror movies have you seen before
0: um i don't i can't think of any off the top of my head
1: i i've seen one and i can't remember the title because it was so bad it was like a it was a comedy ghost movie uh and now we're going to talk about Premica, which is also a (laughs) comedy ghost movie
0: man okay all right so Premica. um this I, I I loved it right up until the transphobia.
1: <laughs> it's it's almost like we're playing this game where it's like, do we say the we do we talk about the good and then talk about the bad, or do we talk about the bad and then talk about the good? Well,
0: I, I got an idea. Let's let's front load it with the thing this movie gets wrong and
1: it has a transphobic reveal. This is a movie about a haunted karaoke machine. Yeah. And you have to sing on key the right parts. And know all the words, or the ghost kills you. Yeah, it's um,
0: the color palette in this movie. I would describe it as a box of fruity pebbles in a blender.
1: It, it is, is uh, pastel guru. If there is any, oh, <laughs> shit. it could be pastel guru.
0: <laughs> this is absolutely pastel guru. The movie. Uh, it is. Yeah, it's colorful. There's lots of gore. There's. It's really funny.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, Except for the part that we're so hung up on, which I think it's fair to be hung up on. Like, uh that sounds... Okay, so there is a trans male, and he is uh, forced to sing a duet with his boss, and... There are these random costume changes because of ghosts so that like when they sing a song, uh, there's a cut and then they're in like full costume and like they're crooning and it's really funny because this guy is really humble and then all of a sudden he like is the best singer ever and he's like in a full like night lounge lizard outfit and it's really mm-hmm. funny except for the trans male is uh forced to sing a duet with his boss and he has to wear a dress and the joke is they both sing the male lead uh song and then the ghost kills them and they use the what's the way to put the what's the nice way of self-censoring the t-word
0: uh let's just not let's just let's just say the t-word
1: so uh they use the t-word and say you stupid t-word um that's that and they cast a biological woman to play top the the trans male Mm -hmm. um and yeah it it, the the movie was like right before that scene it was my favorite movie i've seen in a long time (laughs) yep and then right after that it just like tainted the whole film yeah,
0: I honestly, and I, I feel like, um, okay, so looking back at a thing like Sleepaway Camp that somehow has achieved cult status that, you know, there's a big transphobic reveal. I don't know which is worse, a throwaway joke that uses the fucking T-slur or like trans trans folks are
1: evil and uh, scary. Like, And like it, in the movie, every time, they also like use the some homophobic jokes and like homophobic slurs except mm-hmm. it's always bad guys that are immediately killed by the ghost right so it's except like that the guy that except kring the guy that uses this slur is supposed to be like the funniest guy in the movie and the guy that like you're supposed to root for so homophobia is bad but transphobia it's it's funny it's basically okay that's um, kind of what it, and like I hate to to ascribe a lot of. I don't think it's got that much intention. I think it's just yeah. let's throw as many goofy jokes because this is a a movie where every time someone gets poked in the the eyes, like three Stooges bonk spring noises happen.
0: They do have the fucking Scooby Doo gadonk spring like ridiculous cartoon noises Ooga. and. <laughs> A great many of Woogas. And honestly, like...
1: Uh, like, it's a live-action cartoon.
0: It's like... Uh, having the transphobia in, in this movie, it's like this one time that they brought my hash browns to me at Waffle House and there happened to be a cockroach in it. Like, I was already... I was into this thing. I wanted the greasy, ridiculous comedy horror movie about a karaoke ghost. scary I was into the skaraoke and then you had to fucking make me uncomfortable and, and drop me out of it for a moment, and it's like, oh, shit. Um, I Yeah, it's not on. And I, I think there are so many good parts about this movie that that's what makes it so... It's one of the things that makes it so fucking disappointing.
1: Yeah, yeah, because it's, like, really funny, really clever. It's shot well. It's... It, it uses CGI... Uh, in excess on and it knows it's doing it so like because it's cgi and they chop someone's head off they like turn the blood saturation up 200 because they're like <laughs> right. it's not gonna look real so let's make it look really fake which actually
0: so is a, <laughs> it, which is an aesthetic i love actually that it's not going for hyper realistic rick baker shit it's just like all right so uh technicolor blood shoot like spurting out of a neck stump um there's like a guy that gets cut in half and you kind of see his body peel apart slowly. There's Yeah, it's
1: very good effects. I,
0: I feel like a fucking ghoul saying this, the kills in this movie are so much fun like to watch. Like it's yeah, uh, it's slapstick violence. It's ridiculous grand guignol fucking nonsense and I love it. And so why you got to be transphobic movie? You had me. You had me at slapstick fucking itchy and scratchy violence. Why you gotta do this?
1: And I don't want to say, like, oh, it's cultural. It's a cultural difference. Because I feel like that's a thing that I don't feel bad imposing on other countries. Like, treat people with respect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um don't
1: make jokes at the cost of someone's identity. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, that I don't feel like is a bad stick-in-the-mud kind of thing. Like, I, I think that's just legit. You don't have to do that. Well, And, you know, I hate to drag this movie that we got a screener of, but I also think people need to know before they see it that it's good except it has the hugest transphobic scene I've seen in a long time.
0: Yeah, and especially in, I don't know, uh, the fact that they dropped the T-bomb... Is That's one of the things that's like, okay, I can't even kind of wave that aside with like, eh, it's got some weird shit with gender. You know what's a, mo- a movie that actually uh, is that, a movie that fucking owns when it comes to gender reveals is Wild Zero, where um, Ace, the, the main character in the thing, uh, for those of you who may not have seen Wild Zero, sorry, I'm going to go on a tear where I scream about how much I fucking love Wild Zero, um, it's, uh, a zombie movie featuring the band Guitar Wolf, which if you want to picture Guitar Wolf, it's, um, the Ramones, but three dudes and Japanese and the loudest band in the world. And all of their names are like Guitar Wolf, Drum Wolf, and Bass Wolf. And there's a scene where Ace, the, the kid, like the main character in the thing, finds out that, uh, the girl that he's crushing on is a trans lady and he gets freaked out and runs to the other room to be by himself. And he's like... Sort of talking to himself, and he's like, oh no, what do I do? And then Guitar Wolf, sunglasses, guitar, looking like fucking Johnny Ramone, just like bursts through the wall and screams, Ace, love knows no gender, nationalities or borders. (laughs) And he's like, just do it! And then Ace is like, oh fuck, you're right, Guitar Wolf. And then it's fucking great.
1: Anyway. And then Guitar Wolf cuts a spaceship in half with a katana. (laughs)
0: Man, honestly, the first time I saw
1: Hal's it, I, in his guitar.
0: <laughs> like, and, and also Wild Zero. The first time I saw it, I got really, really drunk because there is a drinking game built into the movie where a little thing lights up on the bottom of the thing. You're supposed to take a shot or a drink when, like, uh, when it, when a zombie's head explodes, when somebody yells rock and roll, when fire bursts out of something. Uh, how have we not done Wild Zero on this podcast? Actually.
1: Because, yeah, this is a thing that I'm constantly faced with. People say, do good movies on this podcast. (laughs) And I say, listen, the content beast must be fed. Right. And good movies, there's nothing to say about them except they're good. Right, right.
0: We can, you know... We're trying
1: to give you an hour for your commute. (laughs) We can give you a bunch of 10-minute episodes, or we could drag... For another ten minutes.
0: Well, I mean, you know, on this podcast, I feel like we've done uh, like because, like, when Duncan suggested we do John Carpenter's *The Thing*, um, we mostly, I think, we did that in like eight minutes because we were like, "This is one of the greatest movies ever made." So, where do we put it on the list? And then we just immediately like went to the top of the list and started trying to yeah, figure out where yeah. to put *The Thing*. <laughs>
1: Um, so where do you want to put primica on the list okay
0: so boy howdy let's talk about
1: sleepaway camp sleepaway uh, camp is number sleepaway camp is number two it's uh, number 258
0: uh, mm-hmm. now we would be kind of hypocritical if we didn't drop this kind of far down the list for a big transphobic joke that i cannot stress enough drop the fucking
1: t-slur under sleepaway camp, we get into like don't watch under any circumstance. Don't do this to yourselves. Movies, <laughs> right? I would conditionally recommend this movie.
0: Yeah, actually, I feel like um, so this. All right, so this is a fun conversation. So back when I was um a, when I was really really Christian and really into it and wanting to become a youth pastor and going to church every week and playing in a worship band, um. Quincy, are you familiar with the brownie example for whether or not you should consume secular media? No. Um, so the thing that I'd heard over and over again when I was a, a kid who was really into, you know, going to church uh, is that, you know, there, there was the question of, you know, hey, you, cool youth pastor, there's this movie or this band I really, really like. They do have this thing that's. You know that glorifies premarital sex or drugs or whatever fill-in-the-blank hot-button issue was on that week, and you know aside from that, it's really great. You know, just like as long as you skip around that one song about premarital sex, is it still cool if I listen to this band? And the example that I always heard was, all right, young Ryan in a in an a button-up anime shirt. Uh, I, let's say that I make some brownies, a big pan of brownies, and I only put. 1 teaspoonful, just a little teaspoonful of horse shit into the brownies. And it's in there, it's just it's only a teaspoon, it's only a little bit. Would you still eat the brownie? And I had the wrong answer when I was a kid because I was like, yeah, just cut around the brownie. I don't give a fuck. And they're like, no, you're not you're you're not no s- s- no. no. Don't I eat. just imagine
1: your youth pastor would be like, no, Ryan, you <laughs> yeah. don't eat the brownies. Literally,
0: what happened? He was like, I oh god, I should have known. Okay, no, because like, listen, I'm I don't give a fuck. I've eaten, I've put worse things in my mouth, um, and so and so that's the question about a thing uh, like this where it's like okay, so I, a movie that has the T-slur in it that's really really shitty about trans folks for you know maybe two minutes of screen time. Could you like, you know, would you recommend this movie if you let's say that we made a rank and vile cut of it where we badly edit in a thing we made in like Windows Movie Maker where it's like um, a bumblebee struggling and it's uh, to get into a flower and its butt is sort of flapping around and it's really funny and cute for two minutes. And we put that on a loop and then it comes back to the movie um, after looking at a bumblebee butt. And you're like, oh, look, it's a bumblebee butt. And then no transphobia. You know, you get to jump back into the technicolor gore. And it's fine. Like, could you recommend it if we cut that out?
1: I mean, it's still pretty homophobic, but yeah, I could recommend it. And honestly, I think what's so frustrating is you could just cut that scene and it doesn't make the movie worse.
0: Yeah. It's not crucial to the fucking plot. It's just a gross transphobic joke jumping out at you like the fucking toasty guy in Mortal Kombat. Um, Yeah. So I feel like we sort of can't divorce it from the transphobia, um, yeah. however, all right, so for dropping it down the list, um, Sleepaway Camp is bad, even aside from the transphobia. I will die on this also, hill. Also,
1: you cannot cut that out of that movie. No. It is no. integral to the plot.
0: Yeah, it's integral to the plot, and you can't separate it. And e- honestly, even, I can't, you know, even aside from the fucking transphobic reveal, it's not a good movie, I don't understand. It's kind of like the original Friday the 13th to me in that I do not fundamentally understand how of all the movies to have caught the big cog and, you know, get a bunch of sequels, why that one? Like, there were a million better, like, cookie-cutter slashers out the same year Sleepaway Camp or Friday the 13th were released. Anyway, Old Man Yells at Cloud. Um, This is a really fun movie aside from that shit. So I feel like yeah. purely for that, I would put it above Dracula Untold.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair because Tales of Frankenstein is good, clean fun. It's just mediocre. Uh-huh. And above that is Michael Jackson's <laughs> Ghosts, which is, Yee. you know, uncomfortable, but is a uh, piece of, like, archival evidence. So,
0: yeah, it's confessional in a way that's interesting to talk about.
1: Yeah, and it's not inherently bad it's just has connotations
0: it certainly does um so yeah so honestly uh yeah i feel pretty good about um better than dracula untold because here's here's the fucking thing dracula untold doesn't deliver on some good dracula shit um this movie and also has brown face (laughs) and also has brown face this movie fucking delivers on the concept of a ghost that haunts a karaoke machine and kills people like Pramika. yeah Absolutely gives, aside from the weird teaspoonful of horseshit in the brownie that is this movie, it gives me exactly the thing that I want.
1: So that makes uh, Primica number 251. I don't know. Watch it yourself. You've heard our um, hesitant recommendation. I feel like if you look at the list, it's only number um 258 down so like the last 10 movies then i'm like hey don't watch those yeah I, it, I would, it starts yeah. with i frankenstein and ends with night of something strange it's like just don't do it do, <laughs> yeah. let me save you some pain <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i i sort of honestly uh i feel like our uh we've got striations in our list that sort of you know there's um the the bit that's the stone-cold classics, and then it gets down to the sort of advanced viewing, sort of like, all right, this is kind of some goal shit, but it's basically accessible. And then it gets real fucking weird, and then very bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's like weird, but fun, and just garbage. Just <laughs> yeah. absolute trash.
0: Complete, complete shit. So yeah, so, so uh, coming in, sorry, what number? That is our new 251 is uh, Pramika.
1: Let's do some listener requests. Um, Anonymous on Tumblr wants us to rank Tales of Terror, the Roger Corman Poe anthology. Oh, man. All right, now we're talking. I love Tales of Terror. Um, Yeah, it's not as good as Mask of the Red Death, but it is still a Vincent Price, uh, Roger Corman Poe movie. Yeah, and it's
0: it's definitely not as good as Theater of Blood. Um, Oh, absolutely not. Oh man. I also I just rewatched Theater of Blood. It's it's fucking great. I And and I love by the way that Theater of Blood. You go on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got like a 99%. You know, it's a it's a it's a movie where Vincent Price kills people with some Shakespeare and it seems like everybody back in the day was like, "What a fucking delight." Vincent Price is, is having a great time and so am I. I am happy to be alive. Um so Tales of Terror, uh, it stars Vincent Price and Peter motherfucking Laurie. Yeah, and I
1: feel like he's wasted in this movie, because he plays a yeah. drunk, so he doesn't have his good Peter Laurie voice.
0: He doesn't get to do the Peter Laurie voice. Yeah, he's just sort of, yeah, yeah, he, yeah.
1: he's a, he's a stumble-bum for most of this. Um, so that knocks it down drastically, because it's Peter <laughs> Laurie and then the, you, you fucked up your Peter Lo- You had one Peter Laurie and you, <laughs> <laughs> you wasted it.
0: With your one wild and precious Peter Lorre, and this is what you do with it? He's a fucking
1: crumb-bum? Um, but the the shot of um, Vincent Price and the actress who have forgotten uh, coming out of the wall in the black cat is like perfect Corman Poe. Oh, because hell they're yeah. just mugging the camera. Oh, you're spooky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which, honestly... and the um, the one where uh. Also, it's great that Vincent Price is a character in every segment of this anthology movie. (laughs) As he should be, honestly. uh, And the mesmerism one, where basically he gets hypnotized not to die. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love because... And then when the guy wakes him up, he melts because
0: he's been dead for years. (laughs) Which honestly is like one of the best things I think you can say about Jason Voorhees as a character, for example, is that he is motherfucker is too stupid to die like he does not he does not realize he should be dead so he kind of just keeps going um and yeah like once he is unhypnotized like oh fuck i'm a corpse and then he just kind of uh melts like wet cotton candy and it's fucking great um yeah tales of terror is exactly what you want out of a roger corman poe movie featuring vincent price but yeah, I feel but it like ain't Mask of the Red Death. It ain't Mask of the Red Death and it ain't Theater of Blood. And I feel like pure, purely for wasting Peter Lorre, uh that's frankly unforgivable. You got Peter Lorre on the payroll and you were like, eh, what if he played a drunk? So that, so yeah, does ding it a lot. I bit. am
1: looking at, uh, I'm actually looking pretty far down the list. I'm See, looking mm-hmm. at like uh, Candyman, Grimlins, Pumpkinhead range, Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at Devil's Candy. Ooh, okay. Is it better or worse than the Devil's Candy?
0: All right, I would say, and I don't know why this is, uh, the basis for my measurement of this, uh, the Devil's Candy perfectly uses the sad eyes of Ethan Embry, in yeah. a, a way that this does not use Peter Laurie well, like uh, *The Devil's Candy* is a movie that okay. underst- underst- so understands the Carnosaur strength.
1: *Carnosaur* is probably the most underrated Roger Corman movie, and that's number one fifteen.
0: Is is this better than Ryan
1: Prowse's *Low Life*? No, because the luchador doesn't rip a guy's hand off <laughs> <laughs> and wake up and go ugh and just toss it to the side. <laughs> <sun. laughs> Very important. But I will say, for Peter Lorre alone, it's better than Creep.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, Creep also is a movie that doesn't live up to its potential and kind of squanders
1: some of its shit. So, if we put it between Creep and Low Life, that is number... Yeah, okay, so scroll to the top, because we're talking about the original <laughs> Godzilla.
0: Oh, fuck. Alright, so uh, I'm going to say something that might make you stop being friends with me. I have never seen the original Godzilla.
1: Okay, well, I can tell you why it's a perfect movie in one paragraph. Please, I guess one little bit. Mm -hmm. So, during the movie, Godzilla is terrorizing Tokyo. And there's a close-up of a mother and her two children in the apartment building. So, like, you see a wide shot of Godzilla stomping around. Then you zoom into the window of the apartment building. And the mother is sitting in a chair holding her two children. And she says, it's okay. Soon we'll be with Daddy. And then, pan out, Godzilla steps on the building. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. It is the perfect... We it is the perfect national mourning after Hiroshima, uh, World War Two. Yeah, and and the plot is, hey, this monster is feeding on nuclear tests. We should stop them, and the government's saying, I, I don't think we really feel comfortable asking the U.S. to do that. You Jesus. know, we we have to be nice. We can't really tell them to stop because. We can and a um a, and the hero scientist was working on a weapon more powerful than the atomic bomb and he quit because of the war. He just threw his research away and said, "I don't want to do it anymore." And said, "Okay, for the sake of saving my country, I'll pick back up and and develop and we'll use this uh, powerful uh, bomb to kill the monster."
0: Holy shit! Cause see, I this is. I've um, looked online for like shady putlucker links to Godzilla, the original Godzilla, and all I was able to find yep. was like un- it was either untranslated or the links didn't work. Like I think uh, there's yeah, gotta you be want
1: Gojira, the actual original. Yeah. Gojira. Now what's really insulting is they pulled the grudge before the grudge which is when they imported it to America they thought Americans won't care about this movie unless there's a white guy Uh, so they rearranged the scenes and made this whole white guy telling the story of it Mm. and like there's all this great stuff where the scientist who discovers Godzilla like loves paleontology until this happens and then he's like I don't I can't proceed this is it's meaningless. Knowledge has cost us too much. It's such a, what have we as the human race done now that we've unleashed atomic terror? Right. And like, what do we do now? It's perfect. Like if, if everyone talks about, you know, everyone talks about science fiction is, uh, the best way to do social criticism because it calls humanity on its, on its bullshit. And this is like perfect. It is, so evident that it's about the war, but Mm -hmm. also gives enough plausible deniability that you can say, it's a giant monster movie. What are you talking about? Also, I just want to give that Godzilla a hug. He's, like, so... Snuggly. Cute. He's got, like, googly eyes in this first one. (laughs) Like, it's definitely... You know, a step above ping pong balls.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah. Although, honestly, like, that made me think of, like, you're you're familiar with the the genesis of how Rod Serling came to um, start the Twilight Zone, right? No. Oh, fuck. So um, uh, going along with, like, sci-fi is a great venue for exploring um, social issues and political issues um, because of the sort of, you know, you're talking about the thing, but you're sort of hiding behind the veneer of, no, no, it's just about some uh, little green men, right? Um, Rod Serling had written a script for a uh, a TV thing about Emmett Till because Emmett Till had just been murdered and he wrote, you know, wrote a thing about it and he, you know, sent it to the studio and they bottlerized it and slaughtered it and butchered the thing until it bore basically no resemblance to anything involving Emmett Till And he was so furious from having um, the network pull that shit with his thing about Emmett Till that he was like, well, at this rate, I might as well just do a sci-fi series where I'd actually be able to talk about these issues without worrying that somebody's going to, you know, chop it up and and silence the point I'm trying to make. Because you have the plausible deniability of, what, it's just about some alien goofsters from beyond the stars. Yeah, Um,
1: yeah. You're reading too, you're overthinking it. Yeah. Except, no, you're not.
0: You're not. And with Godzilla, especially, like, this is, I think, one of the reasons, uh, I, I feel like America kind of can't make a good adaptation of Godzilla, because... Yeah,
1: because they're, they focus on the wrong shit. Like, the Brian Cranston Godzilla sucks, oh, it's because so it's about people. Yeah. And godzilla is his own protagonist and like especially as you continue in the franchise like the movies are about godzilla not the human beings
0: yeah and we don't give a shit about matthew broderick joining the french foreign legion like and i think this is one of the reasons for this is because Man, like
1: jean renault was in that movie that's yeah. wild.
0: yeah he was so was hank fucking azaria um I, I have a I have a fondness for nineteen ninety eight Godzilla because I had it on VHS when I was a kid and I would watch it a lot. Uh, because this was before I kind of understood that movies could be bad. But Listen, I, think I
1: still have my collectible Taco Bell cup with my Godzilla <laughs> cup holder that is so the cup is so large they sold a cup holder to attach to your window <laughs> a la Flintstone's um giant rib sandwich.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this you had car. to
1: buy <laughs> yeah
0: (laughs) amazing but yeah like i america i think kind of can't make a movie about godzilla because like like as a as a country we can't even admit we fucked over japan with that like as a country we still we can't
1: admit we fucked over our own citizens because their great-grandparents immigrated from japan
0: exactly like america like the fact that i mean when i was in school the way that it was taught and, like, the way that they hammered it home was, well, you know, the uh, the dropping of the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki saved millions of American lives from having to do a mainland invasion, and we can't even engage with the fact that we are the only country that has ever fucking nuked innocent people. So, you go from that to, like, we can't— if we can't even admit baseline shit, like, that was a war crime and we did something terrible and unforgivable, Sorry, you don't get to make a Godzilla
1: movie until you until you can engage with that. Yeah, now King Kong, go for it. So, who is uh, Godzilla? Is a classic movie monster. He is yep. in in league with. He's he's late because he came in the fifties. So mm-hmm. like he's after Creature from the Black Lagoon, but he's on par with a Dracula or a Frankenstein.
0: I would completely agree. And also, Godzilla is so instantly recognizable and iconic. Like yeah. more iconic than the creature from the Black Lagoon, because you ask somebody what the creature from the Black Lagoon's thing was as a as a monster, and you're like, he lived in the Black Lagoon. And if you've you know, if you're into Universal Monsters and like you can kind of know his whole thing, but Godzilla, he's a big fucking monster who destroys everything. Everybody knows that off the top yeah. of their
1: head. So I would argue I'm looking at number fifteen, Dracula, and here's my argument. Mm-hmm. Dracula as a character is really good. Yeah, like, he's, a, he's a tragic because figure. Because Hammer Dracula is perfect. Uh, Chris Sims's comic book with the Council of Crosstime Draculas, which mm-hmm. is every Dracula from every universe <laughs> who meets together to make decisions, that's yeah. perfect. But Universal kind of lost their way with Dracula.
0: Y- they really and I did. don't
1: have faith that they will get it back. I think we have had too many Van Helsings and too many Dracula Untold's they're done. There are uh, unfortunately Stephen
0: Moffat and Mark Gatiss have threatened to adapt Dracula, so they're reportedly working on that. So we have that. Listen, I go. think,
1: I think Universal is like Lestat at the end of uh, Interview with a Vampire, where he's just like, "Remember when we used to be good?" <laughs> Wasting away in a little shitty apartment in New
0: Orleans. Ah, I used to be beautiful.
1: Exactly. So Godzilla is still making okay, so Godzilla is still owned by Toho, the original company. (laughs) They have made all of them except for the shitty American ones. And they're still good. Yeah. Like they and Godzilla came out like last year and it's like one of the best ones. And they have people like the guy who did battle royale and they they're able to say like hey you made verses. do you want to make godzilla and just make the godzilla version of verses where you get every monster we've ever made fighting together sure Fuck yeah sure hey, why not? you want to make a movie where the where uh, mecha godzilla is actually made from godzilla's original bones so it's got the spirit of godzilla in it go yes. for it yes
0: yes also, I've I've been waiting hey, for you like
1: directed a, a, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Would you like to make a Godzilla movie? Like, <laughs> it, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. hey, you, you got did got Neon Genesis. You did Neon Genesis.
0: Do you want to do a, a gag where you murder Godzuki in like eight seconds on screen? Um, truly, yeah. tru- tru- the truly the scrappy do of kaiju. Um, so yeah, so honestly, I would put God, uh, from from what you've because obviously. You know, I still have not had the pleasure of seeing the original Godzilla. But from what you've described, that puts it squarely above Dracula.
1: Yeah, and I want you to know, the floodgates have opened. Uh, We're going to do so many Godzilla movies in the next couple weeks, you're going to really regret this. Uh, (laughs) I already have the perfect... uh, 70s psychedelic Godzilla movie to do next week. I'm, I'm <laughs> so, so Stay tuned, listeners.
0: <laughs> See, because I, I love, I've seen Godzilla movies, just never the original. And yeah, no, every single adaptation of Godzilla I can get my hands on, I am all about some Godzilla.
1: Well, in the 70s, Godzilla fights uh, animate pollution. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holy shit. So, uh, a, parable, a parable about the horrors of nuclear war takes on global warming. This is just yeah, a big battle yeah. of the metaphors, and I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, so number 15 is 1954's Godzilla. Fuck yeah,
0: outstanding. Um, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet?
1: We are all over the internet. We are on Twitter, at Ballcast. We are on Instagram, at Rank and Speaking of Instagram, we're brought to you this week by at Horror Retro Caps on Instagram. They make really cool trucker hats with very obscure horror movies. On them like rats, Night of Terror, or <laughs> uh, yeah. the not as obscure horror movie Darkwing Duck. Um, <laughs> and if you message horror retro caps on Instagram with Rank and 10 as a password, uh, they'll cut you a deal. Oh um, yeah. We can also be found on Tumblr, Rank and We're gonna try to. Make that a little bit more than just gory gifts, but no promises. <laughs> if you have a request, or if you want to say hi, or we rank something wrong, or if you want to advertise, or you're a filmmaker and you want us to see your screener, mm-hmm. or you've got a movie you want to mail us and you need our address, uh, rankinvilecast at gmail.com is the address for all of that. Or if you want to request a movie, you can put it in our ask box on Tumblr RankAndFile
0: Hell yeah! Um, and then obviously, like letterboxed, I'm going to be um, making a bunch of new fancy lists in the in the coming weeks, so look out for that.
1: Um, but yeah, and we also have a YouTube channel. Um, if you, we have a couple of playlists. There's a uh, work in progress. Every uh, rap, tie-in, and horror, if you have a contribution to that, uh, email us and we'll add that to our Rank and vile playlist. Um, it's cast on YouTube. Um, if you are interested in video content for that and you have ideas, like we ain't doing the Cinnamon Challenge. God, I just <laughs> sounded like a bajillion years old we're ancient yeah i don't know what kids on the youtubes do these (laughs) days but like um if you want to see us unbox stuff and like that's a thing you want like if you want to send us a box and we'll do an unboxing video like get at us
0: yeah also we did just get um we did just get some free death coffee and uh i have um i'm going to do a video where i drink death wish coffee and then post my um physical response
1: as a human being uh, I it, have not had it yet and it scares me like oh it, yeah it makes me break out into a cold sweat to walk past it in my
0: kitchen <laughs> so it's like the blood borner so thanks death with
1: wish coffee
0: yeah you just look at it and you can feel it looking at you and you're like oh god it's coming for me um, but barring that uh, I think that's all I got you got anything else that's it stay spooky y'all later folks